The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm Chris. And we're here to tell you the stories of small towns and the heinous crimes that changed them forever. Season three! We are so excited to be back, y'all. We are very excited. Uh, We're back from our little break. Hopefully you guys all had a great Thanksgiving holiday for the people that live in the United States. Everybody else, hope you had a good December, or November 25th. I think it was the 26th. Was it? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. But we do have a couple of announcements before we get started on this week's story. So, um, first thing that I wanted to announce is we are so excited. Um, we have partnered with a new vendor for our merch. So, if you ever looked at our store, there hasn't been a whole lot in it until recently. But now we have partnered with a new vendor who will ship directly to you. So that also will cut down the, um, the time lag between um, when you order merch and when you receive it. So we're really, really excited. Yeah, we're finally glad to actually have a site-to-store kind of product instead of a store or site-to-me to you guys kind of right. product. Right, like there so. was a whole lot of, of middle ground there. Right. So we're really excited about that. Um, and between now and December 31st, if you use the coupon code SEASON and then the number 3, you will get a discount off of your merch. And also, for those who are patrons, you should have received an email with a coupon code that, um, depending on the level of patron that you are, would give you um, between 10 and 30% off. So they are really good coupon codes. They are. Um, and there's a lot of really cool things in there. Uh, there's a three-quarter tank sleeve that, uh, three-quarter sleeve tank that I ordered. I really like that. A three-quarter sleeve tank. Wouldn't that just be sure. a shirt? I'm sorry. Whatever. I was about to say, tank top is kind of a no-sleeve shirt. Is that the Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the point of tank top. You always okay. got to be right. Anyway, but we're glad to be back. Gina's missed it. Me, not so much. <laughs> he has. Don't let him lie to you. Uh, no, She's but... been busy. It feels like season two just ended because it kind of did. It kind of did. Um, you know, we're really excited to be back. We didn't want to take a long break this time. So we're going to jump right in. So this week's story is probably a little bit more well-known, but I think it's a really important, and I don't think you can have a show called Midwest Crime Files and not talk about this story. Well, it's, if you say it's well-known, then I haven't heard of it. So Well, we know that. But a lot of people who follow true crime have heard of this story. Um, and so... You know, we realize that, but I think it's important that we tell this story. And, you know, as we get into this, I will let everybody know that there are people on two sides of this debate as we get into it. And we're not trying to take a side either way. We're just telling the story how it is. So, this is the story of fetal abduction, the Bobby Joe Stinnett story. So, Bobby Jo Stinnett is this young woman, early 20s, who lives in this tiny little town called Skidmore, Missouri. Okay. Do you know where Skidmore is? 
Nope. Me either. I had to Google it. So it is on the northwest side of Missouri. Is it on? Is it near toilet paper, Missouri? I don't know where toilet paper, Missouri is. Well, never mind. It's a joke. <laughs> Skidmore toilet paper. Yeah, I got you. Oh, whatever. You didn't. Whatever. <laughs> but anyway, um, tiny little town. Um, I think there's like 250 people. Like, seriously, like, tiny little town. And in 2004, Bobby Joe and her husband, Zeb, were expecting their first child. And normally, like, when you're getting ready to become a parent for the very first time, that's special. You know, that's that's a very, very special moment. But the day that Zeb Stinnett became a father will always be one of the worst days of his life because it's the same day that his wife Bobby Joe was viciously murdered and his newborn daughter was kidnapped this is the story of Bobby Joe Stinnett on December 4th 1981 Bobby Joe Potter was born in rural northwest Missouri she was known as like a happy loving and maybe a little bit shy person she graduated from high school in 2000. Hey, same year as you. Yep. And soon after, she married her high school sweetheart. Isn't that just storybook? Yep. And that was Zeb Stinnett. They married in 2002, and they settled in this small little white house in Skidmore, Missouri. Just this quaint, little, perfect little starter house. Like I said, Skidmore has less than 300 residents. I mean, this is a tiny little skid mark of a town ha 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 there i took your joke whatever <laughs> he's shaking his head at me guys he hates me uh zeb and bobby were looking forward to having their first child and they were due to have this baby in january of 2005 so while Bobby's pregnant, she also has another hobby. She likes to raise and breed and show rat terrier puppies. So side note, of all the dogs in the world that you're going to raise, why would you raise rat terriers? I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. I'm being a dog snob here. I just, I don't know. Chihuahuas and rat terriers are in that group of no thanks for me. What about you? I don't even know what it is, so. Oh, gosh. In early 2004, Bobby Joe attended a dog show, and while she was there, she met a woman from Melbourne, Kansas, named Lisa Montgomery. Lisa and her teenage daughter also raised rat terriers, and the two women and this young lady bonded over their shared love for this breed. After the show, Bobby began to have a, like an online friendship with Lisa and her daughter, as well as other dog breeders. And there was this um, message board. So you got to remember, this is like early 2000s before right. Facebook. This is when AOL chat rooms were the, like, the shit. Right. So this is like early MySpace, maybe? No. I don't even think I MySpace don't... was there yet. No, I think MySpace came in like 2006, but I digress. But anyway, so it was a message board called Ratter Chatter. And in spring of 2004, Lisa and Bobby, they communicated and Lisa shared that not only did Lisa and Bobby have this love of rat terriers in common, 
They also were both expecting a baby. Okay, so... Another woman, Darlene Fisher, also began to correspond with Bobby Joe through ratter chatter. In December of 2004, Bobby was eight months pregnant. Her online friend, Darlene Fisher, had showed some interest in puppies that Bobby had for sale. Darlene communicated with her on this ratter chatter message board and made arrangements to come and see Bobby. She hoped to look at the puppies and probably buy one from Bobby Joe. At least that's what Bobby Joe thought was going to happen. But that day, a dirty red car pulled up to the Skidmore, Missouri driveway on December 16th. Bobby hung up the phone with her mother to attend to her guest. And unfortunately, that was the last time her mother would ever speak to Bobby. That's very weird. Bobby was supposed to pick her mother up from work later that afternoon, but she failed to show up. When Bobby Joe's mom was not able to reach her daughter and she had called her several times, she decided she would get a ride and she would just go to Bobby's house and make sure she was okay. You know, she's eight months pregnant. She could have, like, went into labor. You know, there's so many things that could have happened. But when she got there, Bobby Joe's mother found every mother's worst nightmare. Bobby Joe lay on the floor of her small home surrounded by a pool of blood. According to the 911 call from her mother, it appeared as if Bobby's stomach had exploded. She actually said that to the 911 operator that it Jesus. looks like my daughter's stomach exploded. Bobby was pronounced dead at the scene. More shocking than just the fact that this young woman who everybody seemed to like had been murdered was that her baby was not inside her body. It appeared that the fetus had been cut out of her uterus and abducted. The fuck? Right? Like, oh. Like, yeah. At the time of the crime, Amber Alerts could only be issued if you had certain information. So you had to have a description of the child. You had to have a description of the potential vehicle or kidnapper. And you had to have proof that the child had actually been abducted. So if you didn't have all those things, they wouldn't issue an Amber Alert. And because you had to have a description of the child, there had never ever been an amber alert issued for a fetus yeah i mean well there's really not you can't really there's no distinction yet right you know so investigators they wanted an exception made because the medical examiner examiner told them like there's a possibility this baby could be alive and so if there was any possibility that bobby joe's baby was alive they wanted to bring that baby home to zeb to her father so they fought and they fought and finally an exception was made and amber alert was issued for the fetus the case shocked this small town of skidmore and the entire midwest i remember when this happened i was pregnant with my oldest and it was just like 
all over the news. Yeah. Like, talk about scary. As, like, a young pregnant woman myself, I'm like, what the fuck? Right. I mean, and that'd be hard to take in as well. I mean, could you imagine people... I couldn't because I wasn't around here during that time. But the what people hearing that Amber Alert would feel like. Right. You know? there's a, We're looking for a, fee, a, a newly born baby. Right. You know? That's all, that's all I can tell you is that it's a newborn baby that's uh, today years old. Like I said, I knew about this case when it first happened, but in retrospect, almost 17 years later, when I'm researching it for this episode, what kept coming into my mind is this baby is only two weeks younger than our oldest, the child that made you a dad. Well, she's more than two weeks. No, she was born December 16th, 2004. Oh, yeah. She's exactly two, two weeks. weeks younger than our oldest. And just imagining, like, what that would have been like if it was something that you had gone through. Right, or you, like any of us. Either one of us, because... Anybody going through. Yeah. I mean, that's just... I couldn't imagine, like, being the husband of that at that time. Right. Being, that like... Coming like, you know, I would I didn't find her, but being told, "Hey, your wife is dead and your baby was stolen." Right. It's like, what the fuck? No. What do you mean, my baby was stolen? No clue if baby's alive or dead. Dead. You know, because yeah, because even then, like at this point, you know, they're pers- they're hoping the baby's alive, but right. they don't know that the baby. I mean, that God, people don't realize it's <clears throat> especially when you do it like cesarean. Like, there's right. so many things that can go wrong with, like, right. taking a baby out that well, way. Well, and she was technically premature because she was less than 37 weeks gestation. So there's just so much that, that is unknown. And, you know, of course, as always, they always look at the husband first. Right. But it was very quick that Zeb was ruled out. Good. He was I at mean, work. He had a rock-solid alibi. There was absolutely no way that he could have done it. Right. Um... You know, in this story, not only did it was it broadcast over the Midwest, it was broadcast nationally and actually worldwide. Yeah, I would love to maybe try to find if, they, if you can even find records of that of like old past Amber Alerts mm-hmm. of what the actual Amber Alert went out as when they put the Amber Alert Amber Alert out for this baby. Right. You know, because you it's got like I would love to just see what they actually said. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just. Crazy. So one of the things they did say in the Amber Alert is neighbors saw this dirty red car at the house. Okay. So the dirty red car was described in the Amber Alert along with it being a fetus. Okay. And there really wasn't a whole heck of a lot else to go on. Right. They received multiple tips, though, pretty quickly. You know, when you have an, not only did you have an Amber Alert, but you had a story that went global. Like, you know, this is early days of something going viral, and it's basically what happened. Right. Um, one of the calls was from a woman who was part of this ratter chatter message board that Bobby Joe was a part of. Go figure something. I mean, at least maybe this is something will actually come out of it, you know? Yeah. Right. So she explained that there was a woman named Darlene Fisher who was planning on meeting Bobby Joe that day to look at a puppy. 
Darlene was apparently from Missouri, but when investigators started looking for Darlene Fisher, they could not find anyone by that name. They couldn't find where she lived. They couldn't even substantiate that it was a real person. So it was a fake. It was an alias. Yes. Another tip came out of Georgia, and this woman said that an acquaintance of hers had brought home a newborn child, but those who knew her had serious doubts that the woman had ever been pregnant. This woman's name was Lisa Montgomery. So if you remember, Lisa Montgomery met Bobby Joe at a dog show and had been part of this Ratter Chatter message group. So the next link was to figure out how Darlene Fisher and Lisa Montgomery were connected. The Cyber Crimes Unit was able to track the messages from Darlene Fisher to an IP address in Melbourne, Kansas. Well, guess who lives in Melbourne, Kansas? I don't know. Lisa Montgomery. The address was listed as Kevin Montgomery, Lisa's husband, and even more telling, Lisa Montgomery drove a dirty red car, which witnesses quickly identified as the car they had seen at Bobby Jostin's house the day of the murder. Jesus. Since a child may have been kidnapped and taken across state lines from Missouri to Kansas, the FBI gets involved at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... Did you know that? I mean, that was one of the main reasons FBI was invented. Yes. So the FBI gets involved and they began staking out the Montgomery home in Kansas. While the FBI is staking out the house and waiting for Lisa to return home, um, they see her dirty red little car coming down the road to this farmhouse and when she gets out of the car she gets out with her husband and a newborn child police knocked on the door and they noticed that lisa and her husband were actually watching news coverage about bobby joe's murder and the kidnapping out Jesus of Christ. <laughs> oh lord i mean once again like i thought this was just going to be a theme of the last of last season but apparently this season Criminals watching their own work. Right. Police said that Lisa was walking around, um, you know, kind of like a woman would if, who had just given birth. And she claimed that she had just given birth to this little girl. Her husband told authorities that his wife called her on December 16th and told him that she had given birth at a birthing center in Topeka, Kansas. And they named their daughter Abigail. So, I get a couple questions real quick. Okay. Lisa Montgomery. She said she was pregnant when they first met. That Earlier that spring. Or, earlier that spring. She said that she was pregnant too, right? Yes. Okay. So, we can never... So, we might, might have to substantiate that. Was she ever pregnant? Like... Correct. Other cases. Mm -hmm. You know, or was it just, just a whole ruse that she was playing... To be like, oh yeah, because that'd be about the same due date kind of thing. Right. Okay. And we'll explain more of that. And two, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm sure... Okay. Melbourne, Kansas. Topeka, Kansas. Kansas is it's fairly big. But if my wife is like... How do you not know where your wife is giving birth at? 
So this I never understood. I just, I never could understand this to save my life. So she tells him she gave birth at a birthing center. He takes her children from her first marriage. They go to drive to Topeka to pick her up. I'm assuming one of the older children drives her car back. They meet her at like a fast food parking lot where they pick her up with this baby that's next to the birthing center. First of all, I don't know a whole lot of people, especially in 2004, that go home the same day they have a baby. Right. Have no discharge paperwork, have no bracelets, just no... Nothing. Nothing. Not even the free shit that the hospital gives. Oh, excuse me. Oh, God. Excuse me. No birth certificate. Like, it, it's just weird. Like, the whole like, thing is just weird. There's so much crap that you get whenever you have a kid. Right. Like, even back in 2004. Like, there was so much shit that I took home. It's like, Like, little bitty bottles. Yeah, little cans of formula and stuff. Diapers. And then, but then the massive stack of paperwork, like, for social security cards, birthing records, and all this. And this is how you take care of a baby. This is where you go if you need help. Like, there's so much information. And he didn't, she didn't have any of this. Right. And why would she be... At a fast food restaurant. Right. And like <laughs> Across and, she, the street. and you'd think that if she gave birth at a birthing center, that she'd get even more shit. You know what I'm saying? You would think so. You would think even so. if they discharged the same day, which I think would be unlikely, but even if they did. I don't think you could There so, would be something. I don't, I don't know. A woman one that'd be like, pop this baby out, I'm gonna go make freaking dinner on the way home. I mean, there are, especially like with home births and things like that, and midwives and things like I mean, I'm sure there are places you can give birth and go home the same day. But it would be a rarity, especially, I think, in 2004. Um, when pressed on the issue of Abigail's birth, Lisa admitted that she did not give birth at the birthing center. And she had no paperwork to produce to show that. So then she says, well, I didn't give birth at the birthing center. I had a home birth. But her husband said, no, she did not have a home birth. That's not what happened. I drove to Topeka and picked her up at a fast food restaurant. At least her fucking husband wasn't on board. No. The child was taken to the hospital and was placed in the neonatal care unit where a DNA test was performed on this baby. So the baby was small. But otherwise healthy. Good. I mean, at least she didn't, hopefully didn't do any damage to the to the baby. Right. So they, they take the baby to a neonatal intensive care unit and they're giving her, you know, supportive care like you would give a newborn, making sure she's healthy. Um, and they do, obviously, a DNA test. Um, under interrogation, Lisa Montgomery, who was 36 at the time, broke down and admitted that this baby was not hers. She admitted to strangling Bobby Joe's Stinnett and then cutting the baby out of Bobby Joe's womb. Jesus. DNA tests confirmed that this baby was the baby of Zeb and Bobby Joe. This was their daughter. Zeb named the baby Victoria Joe, which is what Bobby had wanted to name her. Despite being a month early and having poor nutrition at the time, 
Um, she was only two days old when they found her. But for those two days, Lisa had attempted to breastfeed her, but Which, obviously couldn't because... Yeah, because you're not a foot. Oh, my God. She didn't have milk. Like, she didn't I, give birth. I guess this is a person that probably heard the term wet nurse and thinking that any woman can just pop a boob out and be like, oh, here... You'll get something from, like, that's not how this works. Right. So, and it sounds like instead of, like, going and picking up formula, she was just like, oh, well. Um, So, you know, other than not having, you know, any nutrition since birth and being a month early, the baby was really in good health. And before too long, um, the baby was released home with her father. So, the bright spot of this story is that father and daughter were reunited. Yeah. Um, but the sad thing, if you think about it, is this baby girl will always share her birthday with the day her mother was murdered. What a, that's fucking shitty. Like, could you just try to wrap your head around that? Like, your birthday is the day your mother was murdered. Lisa Montgomery. So we're going to talk about her because there's a whole nother side to this story. And this is where I was saying that there's some debate. Because there is a lot of people that, a lot of people who were not satisfied with her punishment. Oh, so I'm not going to be satisfied. No, you will be. So we're going to talk about that. Okay. So Lisa was born February 27th, 1968. Her parents divorced and her mother, Judy, raised her. Her father, from what I could tell in my research, basically abandoned her from, like, birth. As a child, her mother remarried, and Lisa and Lisa's stepsister claimed that Lisa was raped and abused repeatedly at the hands of her stepfather. She was the victim of child molestation and rape. There's also allegations that her mother would allow men to sexually abuse Lisa in exchange for, like, handyman work and things around the house. So her her step siblings, or at least one of her step siblings, claims that her mother was very verbally, physically, sexually, and mentally abusive. Her mother, of course, denies that this was ever the case. Right. At one point, Lisa claimed to be pregnant by her stepfather, but her mother denies that and says that Lisa was never pregnant by her stepfather. However, her mother, Judy, divorced her second husband, and when she did, she did file a police report accusing him of sexually abusing Lisa. There seems to be, at least from what I could tell in my research, some significant evidence or witnesses to say that her stepfather definitely sexually abused her. But unfortunately, he was never prosecuted. And it might be because there was just too many allegations too many like bitter divorce things between judy and her husband it seems like judy was definitely strange so it sounds like it i mean we're just going to use that word like i don't want to put allegations necessarily against her because i can't substantiate them we'll just say she was awkward but yeah it seemed lisa definitely had a very unstable upbringing yeah we'll just go with that when she was 18 years old, Lisa married her stepbrother. So, her mother, her mother's third husband, his son, is who Lisa married. So, they met when their parents married. Mm-hmm. 
and his name was Carl Bowman. Carl and Lisa would have four children together. Carl claims, though, that Lisa is a pathological liar and a serial cheater. According to Lisa's sister, Carl sexually abused and raped Lisa throughout their marriage. Of course, Carl denies this and states that Lisa started all these rumors about him to turn his children against him. So this is the thing where, I mean, I don't know who to believe. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know what is the truth. Right. Um, in some interviews with her stepsister, her stepsister says that oh, he abused her. He was horrible to her. But I don't know. Did she get that from Lisa? Did, is she witnessing to any of this? Because all of the legal things that I can find, there's nothing that substantiates any of these rumors. Right. And it does seem like Lisa was a, little bit of a liar. pathological liar. So I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying I don't know what to believe. Right. He states that he loved Lisa. He loved Lisa so much that he actually married her twice. So they got married. They had their children. Lisa cheated on him. They ended up divorcing. They got back together for the sake of their children, ended up remarrying, and then divorcing again, according to Carl, because Lisa couldn't stop cheating. So after Lisa divorced Carl for the second time, she met and she married a man named Kevin Montgomery. Kevin was divorced and had three sons, and when he was married to his son's mother, he actually had lost a child at that time which was a baby girl and he had always kind of hoped that he would have a daughter yeah now lisa had three daughters and one son but it seems like she really wanted to give kevin a daughter so soon after her and kevin married lisa told her ex-husband and her children that she was pregnant but carl was just kind of like in shock and he told the kids like it's not possible because when Lisa had her fourth child she had her tubes cut tied and burned in 1990 which I mean yeah technically we can say it's impossible but we all and both of us being nurses we both know that I mean it is possible it's highly unlikely it's highly improbable Yes. It's likely, but highly improbable. Yes. But, I mean, it, it, there is this, like, small possibility. But Lisa's husband and her children, they believed her. And they believed her the first time she said she was pregnant, the second time, the third time. But Lisa claimed that she kept having miscarriages. And after she had had four, five miscarriages, they started having their doubts. Like, well, maybe yeah. she's not telling the truth. Now, mind you, she's in her mid-30s. I mean, that's the time when it becomes what they call geriatric pregnancy. Right. Because, you know, you have a higher chance of, of issues. So, I mean, is it possible that someone her age would, would have miscarriages? Sure. Um, but, you know, after so long, it just started to be like, okay, so... Maybe she's full of it. Right. 
According to the people in Melvern, Kansas, Lisa was a liar, and nobody in this town believed that she was pregnant anymore after she had repeatedly claimed to be pregnant but never had a baby. Some said Lisa was great at, quote, swallowing air and pushing her belly out, end quote, to appear pregnant. So it seems like she, like, part of her personality became the being pregnant. And that was, you know, she wore really baggy clothes. And with her most recent pregnancy, um, she told people that she was due in December of 2004. On December 15th, Lisa told a friend that she had delivered a baby girl and fulfilled her husband's dream of having a daughter. On the morning of December 16th, she told her daughter she was going shopping in order to induce labor and that she, quote, had a feeling that today is the day, end quote. That is the same day that Bobby Joe was murdered. Instead of going shopping, Lisa drove 175 miles to Skidmore, Missouri. She had previously purchased a box cutter a home birthing kit, and a clamp. So she was ready. Right. This was not a spur-of-the-moment decision. She had planned this. She messaged Bobby Joe Stinnett as Darlene Fisher, telling her that she'd arrive soon to look at the puppies. So here's the other thing. Not only had she bought this box cutter, this birthing kit and this clamp, she had watched videos online of cesarean sections. So she was really prepared. Right. As well as, I mean, as prepared as she could be, but... Yeah. So when she arrives, she overpowered a very pregnant Bobby Joe, which, I mean, it's not hard. You're eight months pregnant, and this woman is not pregnant and bigger than her. So she was overpowered her... And she strangled her until Bobby Joe was subdued. So Bobby Joe was not dead, but she was unconscious. And at this point, she cuts open her abdomen. Blood on the feet of Bobby Joe lead authorities to believe that Bobby regained consciousness as her child was being cut out of her body. Oh my God. I could... Once the baby was removed from her body, Lisa wrapped Bobby Joe, wrapped the baby up rather, and fled the area in the red car, pinching the umbilical cord with her fingers until she got shortly out of town. And then she stopped on the side of the road and used the clamp to clamp the baby's umbilical cord. Bobby Joe's official cause of death was massive blood loss from the cesarean section. So she did not die from being strangled. She died from the cesarean section and massive blood loss. Jesus Christ. Could you imagine the horror of waking up and knowing that that is happening to you and there's not a damn not thing, a damn you, thing can you can do. About it. You don't know what's going to happen to your baby. Because I'm going to tell you, that's when your mama bear instincts would kick in. You're not worrying about yourself right now. You're worrying about your baby and what is this person doing to your child. Lisa then admitted that she called her husband and children and told them that she had delivered a baby at a birthing center in Topeka, Kansas. Her husband and kids drove to Topeka and picked her up from the fast food restaurant across the street. I have to go back to like 
seriously? Like, how? Like, so they didn't wheel her out from the birthing center? Like, oh. It was like, hi, I'm here at Joe's Diner. Right. Like, I just, not, I don't get you're, it. You're not, you're not Guy Fieri. I can understand teenagers and kids not knowing the difference. What a grown-ass adult. Right. Who has three children from his first marriage. Like, how... How? How did you not... How did alarm bells not go out? Right. Especially after her history of lying and being pregnant 12,000 freaking times, supposedly. It just doesn't even make any sense to me. That's the part that kills me. Her children, when they're interviewed, they admitted that they were having doubts of whether or not their mom was truly pregnant. Their father, who was suing for custody of them, had told them their mother was a pathological liar. And he was actually, he had actually served Lisa with court papers suing for full custody of his kids. And he told his kids that he was going to expose her lies in court. As a, like, proof that she's unfit to be a mom. And that he wanted custody of those kids. Lisa, like I told you, she had tried to breastfeed this baby that she was calling Abigail. Repeatedly throughout these two days. But obviously she wasn't producing milk, so it was unsuccessful. Instead, she took this one-day-old child around town to show her off to everyone she knew. Some people thought it was odd to have a newborn baby out and about, especially in the middle of winter. I'm surprised nothing else happened to that baby. Right? I mean, to have the baby out at one day old is rare. It's even more rare when you think about it being December and how cold it is in Kansas in December. Right. In retrospect, though, a lot of people now believe that the reason Lisa did this was she wanted to show everybody, like, look... I didn't lie. I had a baby. And she. this wasn't really about the joy of having a baby. It was about proving everybody wrong. But her fantasy world crumbled on December 18th when she was arrested and charged with murder and kidnapping. So the kind of interesting thing about this case is it wasn't charged on a state level. It was charged as a federal crime. Well, yeah, I mean, when you kidnap and go across right. state lines, it now becomes kidnapping. Right. So this was not the state of Missouri or the state of Kansas, even though the murder happened in the state of Missouri. This was the United States federal government pressing charges against her. And what they charged her with was kidnapping resulting in a death. And that charge made her eligible for the death penalty. The United States federal government had only executed two other women throughout history, both in 1953. Ethel Rosenberg was executed for espionage in 1953, and so was Bob, uh, Bonnie Brown Heady for kidnapping and murdering a six-year-old boy. Those were the only two women that the federal government had put to death. Yeah, one for espionage. Right. Like, I mean, like, that's high level. Yeah. Granted, murdering is a high level crime, but, like, espionage is, like, when you think of the federal government, that's, like, damn. Yeah. Like, so, that is, that's a bullet to the bullet to the brain kind of a offense, you know? And so the federal government hadn't put a woman to death or, or charged a woman with the death penalty in 51 years at this point, by 2004. If both of them were in 53. 
I right. just noticed that. So it seems very <laughs> unlikely that Lisa Montgomery was going to be given this death sentence, even though there was like overwhelming evidence against her. After several delays, Lisa finally went on trial in 2008 for the heinous murder and kidnapping. It was hard to argue the case as Lisa was literally caught with the baby in her hand. So, I mean, she can't really say she didn't do it. And, like, her defense counsel has to be going, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Evidence showed that Lisa had done significant planning for this crime. She had catfished her victim. Which I don't even know. Pretending to be Darlene Fisher. Was that a a phrase back in... I don't think so. But that's what she did. Right. Uh, She had arranged the meeting with her victim in advance. She had purchased a home birthing kit in advance. She had watched videos about how to perform a C-section in advance. So it's getting really, really hard to even claim like psychosis or something. Right. Like this is obviously a person... That had the mental capacity to plan. Right. She drove three hours to Skidmore, Missouri from her home in Kansas the day before the murder as a, quote, trial run, end quote. Just to see, oh my God. Like, this was a well-planned, well, stupid, but it was well thought out. She took time. It wasn't even well thought out. She did research. It was well researched. She took time to plan it. I'm not saying she did a good job planning it, but she... She put time into it. Right. She picked a victim that would line up with her supposed due date. You know, she did a lot of research. And a lot of people think she picked Bobby Joe because Bobby Joe knew she was having a girl. And she wanted to give her husband a girl. Jesus. Despite, um, you know, all of this evidence against her, her defense presented... Somewhat of a valid, not a valid defense of the crime, but a valid defense of why she should not receive the death penalty. Right. And her defense really centered around a history of alleged sexual, physical, mental, and emotional abuse. Lisa's defense team claimed that she was actually born with fetal alcohol syndrome and sustained brain damage from car accidents that happened throughout her life. She was diagnosed in prison while she was awaiting trial with bipolar disorder, dissociative disorder, psychosis, and post-traumatic stress disorder. They really felt, her defense team really felt like this evidence showed that she was, like, it mitigated these aggravating factors and while they probably knew she was going to get found guilty, they really felt like this would be a reason for her not to get the death penalty. Right. The jury considered this evidence, but I think all this pre-planning was too much for them to overcome. And so they found Lisa Montgomery guilty of kidnapping resulting in death, and they sentenced her to die. What are your thoughts? I think she deserved it. Like he like okay I can I can kind of see where people would be on the one hand like you have this person that did have a traumatic childhood you know mm-hmm. and right she was you know diagnosed with bipolar disorder dissociative disorder psychosis and PTSD and all that stuff but like you said the whole like she planned this out 
Right. And it wasn't even like it was a plan that was like, oh, I'm just going to take a couple days and plan it out. This was months of planning. Yes. Like, she was, she looked for a victim, found a victim, and then, your word, catfished the victim. With right. a third, with a second persona over, over a months long of period time. of time, not just a couple and, and, of days, right? Because and she developed a rapport with this other person, like with this right. other victim, like as this other person with the victim. You watched all these videos on how to, you know, do C sections. You pl- you planned. You bought everything you needed to do it. Like you had everything in a row, the way you wanted it to. I'm sorry. That I think that outweighs everything else. I would like, have if it to wasn't, agree with you. If it wasn't as planned out, fine. All that, right. all those, you know, so the, the different factors that we named off before would come into play and be like, no, you know, yes, she's a criminal. Eh, probably just spend a lifetime in prison, you know. But I'm sorry. We've seen people executed for less. Right. I mean, I would have to agree with you. I go back and forth on the death penalty as a whole, but I have a hard time believing that any of her mental illnesses or brain injuries or any of this other stuff... Prevented her from having the capacity to plan. Right. And that that's where I'm at with it. Like, she obviously had enough forethought to plan this to the point that she did, so... I can't really sit here and say that she had a mental defect that would make her ineligible for the death penalty. Right. I mean, and we can we can go back and forth on this all day. I mean, and I guarantee you know some of our listeners are going to be, oh well, she didn't deserve to die. And, and you know, and that's fine. But for me, I'm looking at it like strictly from a legal standpoint. Like, was this a a problem with mental disease, mental illness? I'm not saying she doesn't have any mental illness, but her amount of planning kind of leads me to believe this was not a result of a mental illness. Well, and then... You know, this wasn't somebody that had a postpartum psychosis, you know, like Andrea Yates, and kind of went nuts and drowned her kids in the bathtub. I'm just not seeing that. This was so planned out and so well thought out. Instead of... That if we're going to have a death penalty... This is the kind of case, in right. my opinion, so that ins- justifies Instead it. of, you know, kidnapping with with resulting in death, let's take it out of that book. Let's put it in, like, terms that we all know. First degree murder, second degree degree murder, manslaughter. Oh, it's very much a first degree, it's in my very, opinion. Like, it's very, like, you can't claim it's second degree because this wasn't a crime of passion. Right. It wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing. Like, I'm, like, this instantly becomes first degree to me, just for the planning. Yep, I and, I, and I'm sorry, but in every first degree murder, it's automatically bumped up to cat like it's capital. Like if you're in a capital state, yep. Like and I'm, and that's where like I guarantee we're gonna get some flack on this because we're both like, yeah, you know, she deserves. And I'll um, be the first one to tell you, I don't know what my, I have not been able to come up with a definitive opinion on the death penalty as a whole. But if you're gonna have it. Dude, this is one of those. This cases, is one of those exactly. This is and this is a case that, out of all, you know all the cases that we've listened, like this is one that I believe deserves it. Yeah, I like mean, I'm sorry, you murdered a mother and stole her baby, and it's once again, it's not like you did this 
off a whim. Right. You had you planned this months. What was it? April when they first started yeah. with it. April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, so eight months in advance. Right. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I had to count on my hands <laughs> from April to December. But you know, you had you did eight months of planning for this, right. and it boggles my mind that. I mean, I can I I, I understand the the, def, the defense attorneys position of trying to get well they're just doing their job i'm sorry but they are like you can hate on defense attorneys all you want it is literally their job to get you the best they can get you whether that's a not guilty or a lesser sentence or in this case i think everybody knew damn well good she was gonna go to prison it was a matter of is she gonna die or is she gonna die in prison or is she gonna die in an electric chair or in a injection. lethal injection or there's no electric chairs anymore. Well, I know, but I'm just making a point. But and that's so, the thing. And like, I think and that was also what remember they had to decide. That this was a jury. The jury decided this as well. Right. You know, like the jury could easily have said, like, yes, she, you know, she's guilty on all charges, life in like, you know, life in prison without the possibility of parole. Bam. There she but the jury thought that this crime was heinous enough. And disturbing enough to be like, nope, she's going to be a threat to people no matter where she's at. Right. Like, and that's where I think a lot of people, especially like me, when I'm thinking of the death penalty, we think of like what, what kind of criminals justify the death penalty, you know? And to me, it's somebody that's never going to be able to be rehabilitated, rehabilitated at all. And I don't know that she would be, you know. Honestly. But then, but then also, you know, that's where we have. That's why we have the life in prison without possibility of parole, or like ten, like you know, ten consecutive life sentences. You know, but for me, it's this. This was a justified death sentence that was handed out. I mean, do I do I? If uh, it was my family, I I would not be sad that. You know what I mean? Like, if I was Bobby Joe's family, I would support this death sentence. Like, like I've said, I've said many times, as a whole, I don't know exactly how I feel about the death penalty. Right. But I don't see a reason, like, I don't see her mental illness as a reason not to give it to her. Right. I mean, if, if like, and we're just going back to kind of hash out and... Exactly. You know, yes. If this, if none of this was planned... And it was just a heat of the moment crime. Yes, I agree, hundred percent. Just life in prison, we're fine. Right. But the none of the, her diagnoses were severe enough to prevent her from planning this out eight months in advance. Exactly. With that, with the in depth planning that she did. Right. That's where I. That's why I don't think that this should. Yeah. That those should ever like those. You know. So, despite several appeals and actually a petition to President, at the time, Donald Trump, for clemency, Lisa Montgomery was executed January 13th, 2021. She marks the third woman to be executed by the federal government. And before her execution, like, as those that date was approaching... Her sister and other death penalty opponents fought until the last minute to prevent this execution, hoping that they could resentence her to life in prison. But it was not to be. An emergency stay of execution was overturned and Lisa was executed. Okay, question. 
when they at when they're asking for clemency, does that are they asking to be exonerated from the crime? No, they're just asking, asking to have for, their sentence commuted to life. Okay. And spared the death penalty. Okay, I, that's. I just wanted to yeah. make sure I was on the right page. And there were a lot of people, you know, like everything is so political right now, anyway. But there were a lot of people that were very upset with Donald Trump. They felt like, you know, this was, he was getting ready to come out of office in January. I mean, this was just days before Joe Biden's inauguration. And they felt like this was like a power play for him, you know. Um, But other people said, you know, that he was trying to make sure that justice was served before Joe Biden came in because Joe Biden is somebody that has said that he would like to abolish the federal death penalty. Yeah. And so a lot of people say this was a, a political move on Donald Trump's part. I don't know. All I'm saying is that if I was Zeb Stinnett, I'd be grateful. I'm just saying. Right. Um, when Lisa was asked if she had any last words, she simply said No. She was pronounced dead at 1.31 a.m. January 13th, 2021 from the Federal Death Chamber in Terre Haute, Indiana. She's the first woman executed in nearly 70 years by the federal government. And only the third... Ever. Overall. Yep. Woman, overall. Yes. There have been plenty of men. Despite those who knew Bobby having emotions of relief and feelings that the justice system had finally been served for Bobby Joe. Others felt Lisa Montgomery had lost touch with reality and could no longer understand why she was being executed. So apparently her mental status deteriorated in prison. And those opposed to the execution, like I said, they felt this was just nothing more than a political power play by Donald Trump. Right. Um, and it was noted that Donald Trump carried out more federal executions in the last year of his presidency than any other president had in any other year since the 1800s. So... Make of that what you want. I'm not going to get into the political side of it. Nope. I'm just going to say that if I was Bobby Joe's family, I would be grateful. Right. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, There are some allegations that Lisa Montgomery was denied spiritual counseling in her last moments, but the United States Department of Justice denies this. Um, And there's a lot of debates. And so I'm just going to say, like, if you want to give me some hate mail about you know, how Lisa Montgomery was done dirty by the federal government. That's fine. I'm just reporting what the facts are, what is out there, what is public record. I know there are people that were very upset about this execution, and I know there are people that were very happy about it. Right. I'm not getting involved in the debate one way or another, except for to say, while people are debating this out, I want them to think about Victoria Victoria Joe is 16 years old. I have two 16-year-olds, and I cannot imagine what this young lady has to grow up thinking right. in her mind. Not only does she have to grow up without her mother, but her birthday will always be one of the worst days in her family's entire life, despite it being the day she was born. Right. Lisa Montgomery may or may not be mentally ill, She probably did suffer emotional and traumatic abuse as a child, but 
I cannot in my mind wrap that around being an excuse or an, even an explanation for the horrific violence she inflicted on Bobby Joe. Right. And that's one of the things that we need, like, I want to kind of make sure that we reiterate is that we agree, you know, that the, she poss- she probably had all the abuses and all of. I don't doubt that the, she was And abused. she was mentally ill. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not denying that. I'm denying that that prevented her from being able to plan this crime, like like this right. murder, the way she did. Her like planning proves that she had a thought enough. If she had thought she, enough to plan it the way that she planned it, then she had thought enough to second guess it. And stop herself. Because she had to do so many things to think, well, how am I going to do this and not get caught? So if she was thinking that way, enough to think, like, I need to come up with a false name to interact with her so that they don't immediately suspect me. I can't be the person going there. So she had enough forethought to know that she didn't want to get caught. So she had enough forethought to know that what she was doing was not right and was wrong. So, I mean... It is what it is. I don't know how I feel about capital punishment. I don't know how I feel about Donald Trump and his execution record. And frankly, I don't really give a shit. Um, what I care about is this woman who had to bleed to death while her child was being ripped out of her uterus. Right. And this child who has to grow up knowing that her birthday is the day that her mother was taken. Right. So... How's that for a welcome back story, babe? Welcome back to the new... It's a pretty fucked up story, isn't it? It's a pretty fucked up story. And like I've said before, I know this one was a little bit more well-known to those who are true crime junkies here. Hi, Leah. But it's an important story, and I don't think you can have a, a podcast called The Midwest Crime Files and not tell the story. Right. So... Um, if you would like access to our patron-only episodes, make sure that you become a patron. You can do that on our website, www.themidwestcrimefiles.com. That's the same place that you will find this blog post with pictures and a list of references that I used for this story. And you can also like and follow us on Facebook. And we are so excited to be into Season 3. This is going to be a heck of a season yep so i hope you guys are ready yep and until then we will see you next week bye guys